Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Good afternoon and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have the outstanding Pat Slattery and myself, Mighty Pete. And today the tables have been turned. Um, thanks to the outstanding network and Pat Slattery, they decided it was time that I was interviewed for my own podcast. So Pat has the... Uh, the opportunity of putting him in the hot seat and asking me the, the question. So, Pat, welcome. Well, it's great to be here, Pete. And yes, it's 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 an honor to ask you these questions because, to be fair, we've been watching you and, and have been on your podcast and the type of questions you ask, you're, you're a very powerful, as I said, a powerful questionnaire, right, and a positive questionnaire. And, uh, and I think you have a lot to offer as well and a lot of information and, and we're kind of interested in what you've been learning in your journey too and the questions you're asking there are questions that seem to be prompted by experience or, or by something you've been educated or picked up on. So it'd be interesting to get inside your mind for a, for a while. So I'm looking forward to putting these questions forward. You could, you could you know, try not to smile so much, Pat. It looks like revenge is sweet here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I got to say, honestly, you know, you can look at this and think, you know, we can put you in a hotspot. But, but the reality is, Pete, I mean, you are, you are an open book. And, and I think, you know, even when, when we were doing an interview, the, the questions you were asking me were, you know, there are the questions that come to mind and we just answer them honestly and, and, mm. and that's it. So there's, there's going to be no difficult questions in there. Maybe some information in here we maybe dig a little bit deeper and, and see where it goes. But, you know, um, again, your, your, your fire in the belly to me is all about inspiring people and making change and creating change. So that's what we're going to hope to, to get from you today is your reasons. And maybe we'll, we'll wait until we ask the questions to, to discover what those are, you know. Absolutely. Well, I'm all ears, Pat. I'm all ears. Right. Well, if you're all ears, then we're going to kick on with some questions. And the first question I, I'm, going to, I'm going to put to you, I want you to think, I want you to go back 20 years. Go back 20 years in your life. Mm-hmm. And tell us, what were you doing 20 years ago? And what was, why was it so different than right now? Or was it? Well, 20 years, I was in university in Edinburgh. Um, I was in a relatively good state in my life but just you know I was getting out of Ireland and, and seeing a different land and seeing a different location um you know it's just it's bizarre you know Scotland is a is an amazing place and the Scottish and the Irish have a have a bit of a bond too so you know getting getting away from home and getting away from the niceties and I had a pretty good time in college you know I I, uh, <laughs> I think I had three jobs so I had my you know my course courses during the day and I was bouncing on the doors. I was working in a nightclub and working in a pub as well. And uh, yeah, somehow I still managed to come through that experience. Managed to get the piece of paper at the end, which actually has a, a beer stain on it, surprisingly enough. <laughs> Got the certificate and uh, yeah, I was in the bar celebrating and put my pint down on it. So it still has a, a ring mark on, on my degree. But yeah, like that was that was pretty much a summary of how it went. But listen, it was work hard, play hard. And, that really came from my dad, you know, he said, listen, you know, he says, I have no issues. You're having a, having a good time. He says, you got to, you know, you got to work hard too. And, um, I did, I was probably one of the richest students there because 
I discovered pretty quickly, you know, when you can go out and socialize, there's two ways of doing it. You can stand in front of the bar, you can stand behind the bar. And those that stand behind the bar get paid and got tips. And those to the other bar generally, you know, they were giving away the money all the time. So quite quickly I realized that, you know, I could be earning the money and then tips and then at the end of the night you got either free drinks or cheap drinks or whatever as well. So you got to socialize and then you got to go on to a nightclub and all the rest. So um yeah it was i discovered that quite quickly so uh i would get back to my flat and i loved my technology so i was buying tvs and dvd players and all that i was never in the flat but yet all my flatmates loved it because you know they had all the best technology but i wasn't there to enjoy it so that was yeah 20 years ago god that brings me back straight away but yeah it was good times i enjoyed them yeah well that that, that just made me realize we had something else in common right i didn't know you were dormant i could have hired you back then you never know but uh <laughs> but but when we look at the difference between now and 20 years ago, obviously something was different in terms of how you think. Because if you were getting into the mindset of, you know, if I walk behind the bar and make the money, if I'm on the other side, I'm spending money. right? So was money important to you then? It, it probably really wasn't, um, to be honest. Because I remember actually I was working on the doors and I was getting 375 an hour. And actually um, the bar was given 275 an hour. So the doors, you got a pound extra. Um it wasn't about that. It was the socialising. It was the getting out. Um, you know, I think, I mean, I had arrived in one was a strange study. I mean, there's no, there's no better way to do that than, you know, you work behind a bar, you get to know people quickly. Um, but also, I mean, I always had a bit of a, a thing where, you know, as a kid, my mother passed away when I was 17 and I was still carrying a bit of depression, to be brutally honest, in that time. So, you know, there's a, a couple of things always conscious, you know, you'd almost be like lonely in a crowd and things like that. So, you know, I, I was always uh, cautious and conscious about getting out there and, you know, socializing and really sort of seeing what was possible. But um, yeah, to me, it was just it was simple mathematics. The more jobs I had, the more hours I worked, then the more money I had. Like I said, it wasn't, to be honest, it wasn't about the money. It was more, I enjoyed the responsibility. I enjoyed working with people. I enjoyed, you know, just being there in the atmosphere in the, in the, the, bar, the bars and the pubs and all that, you know, and but a couple of a couple of bad experiences with the doors, which um, put an end to that career, but um, gave me a real insight. There's some there's some rough spots in in Edinburgh, and of course, being I'm six foot four, so I was put in some of the rough spots. And uh, the sort of the the final night there was a you know the usual thing, and you'll know this, Pat. You know, a guy sort of was removed for doing not very nice things, and uh, the old threat was I'll be back. Well, this chap he did come back, and he came back with a six foot bar. And uh, fast forward about half an hour later, there's, I think it was something like six uh, police cars, dog, police dogs, fans, um, two of my colleagues at the time were in a bad way in the toilets. The whole place, it was just a riot, an absolute riot. And uh, I think it was then I phoned home and dad was like, seriously, for three seventy-five an hour? What are you doing? You know, and that, <laughs> that, that was the end of, that was the end of that. But I did, I got to, do some of the, like the Rolling Stones gigs and stuff like that. I did some of the doors there. So it was good, good fun. But yeah, I think time for money in, in that instance or time, for, uh, energy for money, just sometimes you got to, you got to pick and choose what you're doing, you know? You know, I'm, I'm just sitting here listening to you telling those stories and, and, uh, and it's brought me right back. But, um, <clears throat> but the importance of that age, you know, and getting out and meeting lots of more people, in terms of the education you got from around the, the hospitality industry in general, how valuable was that to you, and how does it stand to you today? 
you know, it's it's a weird thing, and and it, it was always strange being being a tall person. You know, people have an attitude of who you are and what you are. You know, so unfortunately, you know, you'd almost a tall bouncer was actually more threat than a short bouncer or even in the bars or whatever, because people have this attitude that, you know, that, um, you know, what people will come across, but actually what, what I did tend to find is the taller person sees everything first. And I found myself actually quite intuitive. Now I didn't recognize my intuition, uh, until sort of later on in life, but you know, you get a sense and it sounds strange and, and hard to do it, but whether it's dealing with somebody or a situation or the energy in a room, and you know if you're looking out for you know as you are when you're doing the doors even behind the bar i mean uh, you know i did i did doorman's duties when i was working behind the bar and and you just know when something's about to kick off you could the energy change in the room and you could sense it and you could feel it what was going on you know so i didn't properly recognize that till it was later on you know because i like i say i sort of slightly kept myself to myself but i wasn't shy about coming forward either and uh yeah, so that's learning people, uh, different attitudes. I think very quickly you realize, you know, some people are just out for a good time. Some people are out to prove themselves. Some people, you know, everyone's different. So you see so many different things and then you throw drink into the mix and drugs and all sorts into the mix. It's, um, yeah, people watching, you know, it's um, people do people watching for sport. I used to do it as sort of a job and, and something I enjoyed doing, but actually I was learning all the time, sort of subconsciously not even realizing it. So yeah, it was, it was interesting, good times. So would you recommend the hospitality industry for people to start working in at an early age? Listen, I, th- I think um, it does no harm. I think it really does no harm. You get to see, you know, how people like to be treated. Um, I mean, I work some of the staff and there's one particular lady that we work with and she just, rudeness just did nothing. You know, if you didn't have manners, it didn't take much to be polite and, and kind. Like I say, and it, there weren't, people weren't on brilliant salaries. They were, you know, just okay. And you get someone that's rude um, and you would just, they would just be blacklisted. It would take them 10 times longer to get served, all the rest. Because you kind of go on, in the hospitality industry, you haven't got much control over what's happening. So you got to, um, you know, people will say, well, listen, if you're rude, then We'll, we'll return that in bucket loads. Um, so I think it's good. You get to see what it's, you know, how you should treat staff, how you should treat the public. Um, you know, somebody could just be having a bad day. You know, it's, it's something I've learned all through life is you never know what's going on behind closed doors. Um, you know, just because someone, you know, someone is rude or whatever, you really got to step right back and go, and it's not necessarily me they're trying to be rude to. It's just that something's going on in their life, you know, and you, you got to sort of take it out of that. and. Um, Quite there. I think generally most people are, are good, but there's a lot of other uh, human traits come into as well. Yeah. So now let's fast forward 20 years. Mm-hmm. And now, now that we've discovered something new or something old about you, maybe, whatever you want to look at it. <clears throat> why fire in the belly? And what does that mean to you? So why fire in the belly? Fire in the belly is a concept that came about, it was February, I think it was 24th of February last year. And it marked a bit of a time in my life. You know, I, I sort of said I was asleep for the first 37 and a half years of my life. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm 40 now. I'm, I was 40 last September. And um, the last three years, I kind of had, call it a midlife crisis, call it to a point that I kind of felt I had no one to answer to. And it was, you know, I got to 37 and a half years and woke up and, and we closed the business and there's a number of things that had gone on in my life. But um, at that point, I thought, well, okay, 
So my average life expectancy is whatever, 34 or 74, 75, whatever you know, the, the health organizations say. So like, right, well, by coincidence, I'm halfway through my life. So it's like, how's the first half gone? It's like, listen, I've, I've, achieved, I've achieved a fair amount and I've done well and, and you know, it's, uh, it's been good. And saying, well, how would you feel about doing exactly the same for the next 37 and a half years? I was kind of going, well, it doesn't exactly fill me with joy, you know. It's like, I'm sure I can do better than that. And it came down to the thing of going, well, what if you said yes to everything? You know, what, what's the worst that could happen? So you know where you are today, and you could follow that average line, and life would keep proceeding, and everything would be wonderful. Or you could just go, yes, just keep saying yes, you know, and I'll try that. Or, you know, what if? What if I try that? And, and that's kind of where I got to. So with, um, you know, I found myself in, in like I say, late last year and it was coming off the back end of a you know bit of depression and there was certain things going on in my life but I was stripping everything back to basics you know and um, at that point it was it was out I was uh, little twin baby girls and uh, pushing them up the road for some reason it was cycling through my head you know it's going what how is it that certain people you know they get up and they they you know we're all born naked and screaming and yet some people absolutely blow the lid off and they go crazy and they're entrepreneurs and multiple businesses and you know all this and and other people don't you know it's like what's the difference you know and because people sort of say you hear the saying a lot you know it's like oh well you know i you know i've made everything i have or you know if i can do it you can do it and all these things and all these these sayings that you hear people think you know and especially successful people saying, well, I, I built this myself and if I can do it, you can do it. And after a while, if you go, if I was just to take that literally, because the ego jumps in and says, oh, it's okay for them, you know, because I don't know, they got handed to them or they were lucky or whatever, you know, and, and the ego is a funny thing. It can discredit everything and go, yeah, you know, he doesn't mean that or he's, he's just saying that or she's just doing whatever. So what if they're saying is actually true? You know, if they're saying if, if I can do it, you can do it. So if I take that as a literal statement, you know, and then you say, right, well, let's look at the pattern. Let's look at what happened here is how did they get to where they are? And at that point, you know, starting for me, it was reading books and going through and, and you start looking at the patterns. And the more you get into it, you more you go, right, well, fair play, you know, and this is someone who has, you know, really sort of kept going. They've kept the energy and they've kept, you know, sort of always pushing on and pushing on and, and keeping going. And, um, you know, eventually, in my head was cycling these questions. You, know, you talk about, you know, what's your gut instinct and intuition and, um, you know, all these different aspects, you know, and you go on. And for some reason, fire in the belly, you know, it's like people talk about your fire in your belly and you know, your gut instinct and your intuition, and then, you, you know, your energy and your force. But then I sort of keep, kept coming back to, you know, fire in the belly. It's like, and I was like, you know, it's the most basic form because I believe that everyone has fire in the belly whether it be the most successful person or the person, you know, is in a, in a really dark place. But I still believe there's a fire there. I believe there's a, there's a heat, there's an ignition source. To be alive, I believe you have to have fire in your belly. Um, and that was the beautiful thing. So there's a common entity. It's like, you know, this is like a club that everyone's invited to because you already have it. You know, it's not like saying, well, oh, it's okay if you, you have fire in your belly, I don't. It's like, well, you, you have it. I'm sorry, you, you're alive, so you have it. But the question is what you're doing with it. It's a, like a pilot light in the boiler. You know, if the pilot light's out, you're, you know, you've got trouble. But the light's on, and then that can produce more heat, and that can do more. So, and then it was, yeah, I was back to cycling that through, and, and then, 
next thing we were going to sort of create it into um, a book and then next thing the podcast was born and, and I just love it. I love talking to people and their, their passions and energies and how they ended up where they are and their success journeys, you know, and we've had multiple conversations it's like, well, such a guilty pleasure, you know, you get to talk to people and, and uh, you know, talk about their journey and their successes and their whys, which in turn then triggers them to have more questions and, and move forward. So, yeah, so that's a very long-winded answer. But, um, yeah, that's, that's sort of where Fire in the Valley came about. It was, a, it was a scratching of a head that's suddenly become something. Okay. So was there a particular moment or an incident that made you look deeper? There's been a couple. Um, I think having, um, you know, we, we lost the business through, um, it was about three, four years ago. And I think that I, I sort of took it quite personally because uh, we built the business up to be, you know, a good medium-sized business. And um, my, my well, she's now three, but my, my three-year-old was one at the time. Um, it was just, Yes, just just before one, and she was um, she was teething. And anyone that knows when you have you know the sort of the tail end of depression, you have a baby teething, and they they've got to be in the room with you. Um, well, that's that's the <laughs> that's what my wife said. They've got to be in the room, and my mindset's not in a great place, and there's so much going on. And I literally, I've never ground my teeth in my life, but I started grinding my teeth, and as a result, then I basically have a, a, a missing tooth. And simply, I started grinding my teeth, and I remember sitting on the side of the bed rocking, and I couldn't understand. People were talking about success, and they're doing this, and they're growing their business. And I'm sitting here going, for some reason, you know, I'm trying to, you know, keep this business alive, and then we've got staff, and I can't work any more hours in the day, and, you know, my child wants me to be here and wants all this to happen. Um, and yet, you know, I'm supposed to be able to do more, earn more, and all the rest. It's like, going, I just, the math doesn't work here. I can't work any harder. In fact, I want to work less because my kids are here. The stress is literally breaking out in my body. I'm grinding my own teeth out of my own head. You know, this is all going on. And uh, at that point, it's like going, I got to change it. I got to go smarter, not harder, because, um, you know, there's something not working. How is it Richard Branson can have 400-odd companies and spend half his days, you know, surfing around an island or whatever? And listen, I know there's, there's a bit of poetic license there, but, you know, very much the writing was on the wall then saying, I've done 37 years of, 37 and a half years of working hard. I now need to go smart because if I want more time for my family, and you, you talk about it, Pat, you know, you talk about, you know, quantity time with your family and it's it's a great expression, you know, and it's it's there. It's I just couldn't. So I, I had to change the formula and had to sort of strip it all back and go back to basics. Um, that's kind of where I find myself. Really. So that's how it came about. So while you were on that journey, <clears throat> who or what were your greatest teachers? There was a number. I mean, sort of three, it would be three years ago, it started off with Tony Robbins. I don't know why. And, and it's kind of someone on and off that I had uh, I had seen. And I found myself over in Tony Robbins. And like everyone else, you're, I think it's four days, you're, you're, 10, 11,000 odd people in a room, you're high-fiving strangers, you're, you're, you're dancing about, there's rave music on, you're going crazy, massive high energy. And you know what, the energy of having a room of 10 or 11,000 people who all want better in their lives, um, 
and that that first year I had an experience with somebody that will that did it changed my life absolutely and um God, I actually get emotional just talking about it. But um, there's a, a simple exercise that they talk about in terms of, um, you know, you were talking, you were sort of chatting with a, a you know, somebody who was sitting beside you and, you know, sort of saying three things you wanted to change in your life. And this lady, she's mid-50s um, from the, the Nordic regions and, um, you know, paired up with her, I just happened to turn around and, you know, she was saying, you know, says, well, what, what three things do you want to change? I says, you go first, that's fine. And uh, she was saying, I want to learn to trust men more and all. And me being me sort of asked the questions as well. Can I ask why? You know, can you better, give me a bit of context? And the next word she said absolutely changed everything in that she said that my husband killed my two children. And um, to the point, it's just, I mean, it just floored me absolutely floored me and needless to say the next 10-15 minutes of the, the workshop was very emotional for her and for me and all the rest you know and uh, she said you know it had been seven years at the time since it had happened and you know she was just going through day by day and she was here to to be a better person to try and grow you know and just before the exercise is over and she's like oh sorry you, you know you, you didn't get any time to tell me what your problems are what you wanted to change <laughs> this I got my sheet of paper and I'm shredding it I'm going you never ever know what's going on in someone's life and that that story there was more of those stories through that year and the following year um and going you just never know you know it's to what huh exactly you know it's it's you know never mind read you know just because somebody's angry doesn't mean they're angry at you it could be something else in their life and and you know sometimes asking a question sometimes just being there just um going through don't presume, don't mind me, don't do ever, just ask the question. And uh, people, if they want to tell you, they'll tell you, and you can change their lives. Well, so now that we've discovered the 20-year-old you and the current you, knowing what you now know, what would you advise that 20-year-old based on the journey you've had over the last 20 years? Um, I think, a couple of things. I mean, I, I I loved the energy that I had in my twenties, and it was sort of a very much a can-do attitude. In hindsight, you know, the smarter, not harder. It's a very heavily used statement, but you know, working smarter, not harder. Thankfully, I was a little bit ahead of my time in that I loved property, so I I worked a lot at a corporate job, and I I gave my heart and my soul into that job. I also had the gumption. You know, I sacrificed my my sort of personal life and and you know sort of social outgoings to build a you know a property portfolio, residential property portfolio, and um, thankfully you know I, I sort of had the sort of sense to do that, and that really comes from my family. There's a lot of entrepreneurs in my family and things, um, so yeah. At the time, it was kind of going. I hope this is all worth it. You know, I'm. I never forget I'm coming home from a corporate job and. A particular flat I had bought and I'd moved into because I had rented out the, the place that I was living in. I had rented it out and I'd rented quicker than I thought, so that's where I was living. But I had to move into this this building side of a flat and getting home and I'd been sanding walls and doing all this and and just absolutely wrecked and getting into bed and the whole bed was covered in um, like um, dust from you know when I'd been sh- uh, sanding the walls 
and I just slapped the pillow and this cloud of dust came up. <laughs> it's like all this, you know, building dust and just on the pillow. And I was just, I was so tired. I just shrugged and just got into bed anyway. And it was just, you know, I, part of me loved it. You know, those days it was bloody hard, you know, and, um, but at the same time, I just had this thirst and this drive and this absolute knowingness that there was a, there was a reason, there was a point to this. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, I, I caught the tail end of the sort of property rise, et cetera, through from, you know, 2000 to 2006, 2007, you know, and, um, but I think now, you know, now I look for, you know, having sort of at least about nine sources of income, you know, because otherwise you're always exchanging time for money. You know, you need to find a method of earning money while you sleep. Um, you know, information assets, passive assets, you know, financial assets, data assets. You know, if you don't have those, you'll always exchange time for money. You know, and I know you're a big advocate of that pattern as well, you know, and it's, you know, what are you giving your time to? And, you know, again, another one of your sayings there is, you know, is it going to make the boat go faster? You know, is, is focusing your mind on, on exactly what part it is. Is it earning you money? You know, why are you doing it? And, and is it going to make the boat, the boat go faster? So, yeah, there's quite a lot of learnings I would give back. Okay. We're learning a huge amount about you, Pete, I got to say. But one question I have to ask you right now, I think, is do you love yourself? I do know. I do know. It's, ta- it's, it's taken over 37 and a half years to, to understand that question, to be able to answer it, and to then genuinely be able to answer it. And it, realistically, it's probably only in the last 18 months, year to 18 months that I, I've said, I've loved giving myself time. Um, and I think that's youth wears off and, you know, you sort of, you bull on when you're young, you've got the energy to drive forward no matter what. And energy and, and youth will disguise a lot of mistakes and that's fine. You can get on with it. I think as you get older and you want to slow down a bit and you want to enjoy the quality, um, that's when you got to sort of any of the wee gremlins or any of the wee things that are working away in the background, they have to, you got to bring them out and sort them out. And for me, that's that's really what I've been doing in the last three years is, is going through with the help of the likes of yourself and, you know, other mentors as well. And, and that's been, you know, something quite significant. Um, you know, I know from, you know, for, from a number of things you've taught me a hell of a lot, you know, and, and being surrounded by other outstanding people makes a, a huge difference. Um, you know, there's been elements there, you know, again, Tony Robbins, there's been some stuff there with Bob Proctor, you know, and just, just different things. Um, I'm not being afraid to ask, you know, when I decided there, you know, originally Fire in the Valley was going to go straight into a book. And I discovered last year at the same time that I was dyslexic and ADHD. So um, you kind of go, oh, this is going to be fun. You know, the dyslexic writes a book, you know. And it's not that I can't write. It's just that it's something I don't do for leisure or pleasure. So reading and writing are just, they're, they're just not that high. Ironically, overall, I have an above average IQ. But that's in terms of visualization, creativity, and, and um, you know, on that side. So that very much is over average, whereas my reading and writing are under average. But the point of that was, you know, I wanted to write a book. So quite simply, you know, one of the first things I did is go and, well, go and get a book coach. So I did. I got a book coach and it was a great start. And, and to do it, you know, we were going to interview a lot of people for Fire in the Belly and find out their passions and then chop it all down and say, right, well, that's it. We'll, we'll use the 5% from that conversation and this conversation. We'll plug it all together and we'll get a book. And then after a while, you realize, like, do you know what? I know we've taken the best 5%, but the problem is we've left 95% on the floor. 
And you know, in this day and age, the technology and all the rest is like going, it's, it's disrespectful and there's too much good stuff there to leave. And just by coincidence, then I ended up on a, on a property or in a podcast course. And I just knew straight away. I had no, I had no driver intentions to go on. I'm not a, I'm not a very ego driven person, you know, so I'm not, I'm not looking the limelight, but for me, it was actually, it was the perfect vehicle for getting the stories of these people. And, you know, everyone's fire in the belly is different. You know, yours is different. Mine is different. And you know, the beautiful thing is there's no right, there's no wrong. You know, I might get passionate about cars or I might get passionate about, you know, houses or property and everyone else looks at me and going, why, why do you feel that? I mean, it's just a house, it's just a car, whatever, you know, but it's all personal, you know, and it might be that I want a certain type of car because it's a certain memory and a certain thing. And that's the beautiful thing is that there's no right or wrong answers. Your fire in the belly and your passion is your passion. And, um, you know, when you've hit someone's passion because they won't shut up. <laughs> that's that's the thing you know you ever see someone going bloody hell you talk the legs off you I just you know, it's like a salesman's like i'll just buy it from you because just to get rid of you or i buy it because i can sense your energy and you know that energy is is infectious you know when someone's talking about going i love to do this and god i you know want to create this and suddenly the whole universe almost bends to help them and people help them and you know and that's that's the one thing i love so um yeah no it's it's been it's been great so some mentors, I think asking the question, you know, looking around, I love mentors to the day I die, you know, um, at 37 and a half, I, you know, I left university and I, and I did all that and I thought all my learning's over, you know, and I'll, I'll do a bit of continuous professional development, you know, the old CPD and that's about it. Um, since then I've realized I'll be, I'll be getting, I'll be reading and getting taught stuff while I'm, even when I've been lowered into the grave, they'll be telling me something I didn't know, you know, and it's great. I love it. You know, now I, I enjoy reading specifically more so I enjoy listening and ironically that that's kind of where Fire in the Bellies led me to. So now that you could answer that you do love yourself, why is that so important? I think if it's it's the origin of everything. If you don't love yourself, well, how can you expect others to love you? How can you expect you know other people to respect you? How can you expect you know help others to to love themselves? Um, it's it's like a foundation of a house. You know, you can build something, but it can be a false god. It can be a false house or whatever. But the problem is, if the foundation is not strong, you know, and um, it's just there, and it's kind of a this is the one thing I found with Fire in the Belly. When people start talking, you know, because it's sort of timelining and exactly what you're doing with me here, and, and it's you go back and you listen to people's language, and I love to do this and I love to do that. And but what you're doing is cutting through layers of crap basically and, and disbeliefs and all the rest. But when you strip all that back and you find out what people's passions were and it's going, I love to, you know, I love helping people. It's just it's just something I love to do because you do gotta watch out in terms of uh, you know, the old expression, your voice, your values, you know, and that's something else. It might be that I was lonely as a kid or something else. And now I want to do something that always helps people. And it's like, well, is that actually what you want? Or is that fulfilling uh, a void, a previous void in your life? So, you know, I think finding stuff that's, you know, where the ego is not at play. It's like going, are you doing this for likes? You know, and there's a, you know, there's a great saying there, you know, it's, you can't take likes to the bank. You know, and it's it's a great saying because it's simply and it's going, 
you, what can you do with that? You know, great, fair enough. You get a great feedback and great reception, but you know, do you feel, are you a better person for that? Do you feel better? Um, so I think by stripping all that back, you know, and you find out your passion and find out your purpose and, and liking yourself and loving yourself at that point, to me, it's almost like you jump on to this very, very fine golden thread that's going up into the universe. It's, it's just, it's like a guitar string when it's perfectly in tune or something else. It's just there, you know, when you cut out all the other crap and you kind of go on, nothing else actually matters. It genuinely is when you find your passion and that's, you're happy to do it and, you know, you can live by it, then that's all you need because you know it's, it's 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 the simplest forms and it just it means everything to you it satisfies your 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 needs your wants your desires everything else and funny humans humans love to give stuff away you know giving is gaining you know it, it's all about that so the number of times people sort of you know always the greedy bugger and all that and it's like well chances are the greed's actually coming from a void but actually what people want to do is help others so the more that actually you help others and the more you do that, then actually the more you get in terms of energy. So um, for me, I've enjoyed the simplicity of life. I've enjoyed talking to people. I enjoy uh, doing things. And I love surprising myself every day. You know, I do need pushed and that's why I have mentors and I always will do, you know, and we all need a good kick in the backside. Um, but that's good too because it stretches you and, and just pushes you on a wee bit, you know. So yeah, I do. I, I love myself and it's, it's taken a while and, you know, it's it's been a it's a fun journey, and I'm I'm enjoying and looking forward. I'm leaning forward, looking forward to the you know the things that are coming up. Okay, so even learning here why you love yourself and and the things that you're enjoying, the things you love doing, you're looking forward. What do you feel your purpose is? Right now, I'd say my purpose is to actually to help other people find their fire in the belly. Um, it's something, you know, my fire in the belly is the fire in the belly process, you know, and I know already I'm, I'm probably responsible for the guts of at least about 10 businesses that have been set up. Um, people have reached out to me again. They've sort of, I mean, they've gone from a, what I would call an average life to suddenly they're doing outstanding things. You know, they've really sort of leapt forward. Um, so I think it's, it's being the catalyst of that, you know, being a promoter, being a catalyst and, and, um, you know, that's, that's what I love about the process and, and helping other people. And, you know, it's that giving back is, is something I'm, I'm glad to do. It's lovely to see someone that's, you know, that's doing really well because again, it's giver's gain, you know, they get, you get energy back from, from helping others and then vice versa. It, it, it all goes around in a, in a sweet universe, you know, um, before that, like a lot of people, you think, oh, what does it matter who's watching or who's listening? You know, whereas now, you know, for me, honesty, integrity and things like that are something that's really sort of I keep coming back to, you know, and if something's not sitting with me well, I don't care who's listening or looking or whatever. It's like, I'll, I'll do what's right by me. Um, and, you know, and, and that's the thing. So it's, um, yeah, so it's, I don't know if I've answered the question, but yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, you would also touch on your values here, which I think are important, you know, so you've kind of saved me another question. But let me ask you something else then. What do you see as your greatest achievements so far? Um, there's probably a number of things. Um, I mean, meeting my wife and, and my, my, my three beautiful daughters, you know, that's, it's been life-changing. 
you know, it took me six months, you know, when, when my daughter was six months before I actually connected with her. Weirdly, you know, because a lot of people say, oh, when you see your child, you know, you'll be instantly connected. And I didn't get that, you know. <laughs> I was sort of emotionally emotionally avoid, void or whatever, you know. But um, six months in, when, when a child starts to be able to, to want and to recognize and to respond, that's when I suddenly, you know, fell in love with my daughter. And, you know, we have a very strong bond now, you know, and that was really special, you know, really special. And I think probably my, my most recent, um, you know, thing for me is, is, is finding fire in the belly and, and driving it forward, you know, and, and it's the legs to help with the legs yourself part as well. And, and other people in terms of, you know, getting amazing speakers and, and, you know, sort of finding the voice and helping other people find the voice. It's, it's a great achievement, you know, and seeing, seeing people blossom and, you know, the, the amount of other podcasts that I've triggered, you know, and people suddenly find their passion and they, you know, they go off like a rocket, you know, it's great. You know, it's like after a while, some people go off with such energy, you're like, God, bring me with you, you know, but it's, it's, it's true. It's, it's, uh, they've suddenly found their passion and, as I say to someone, you, you know you found it whenever you're Googling, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, something about your passion, you know, and it's not about the money, it's not about the time, but it's, you know, you find this energy you thought you never even had, you know. So that's finding it and responding into it because, you know, what I did discover in that sort of time out after we shut business down was actually, you know, listening to the voice in my head, you know, even sort of, you know, what is fire in the belly? What, what is gut instinct? What are all those things? You know, what's passion? What's burning desire? And what I've discovered is my, my subconscious mind and my intuition, it doesn't shout. It's a really quiet person. It's a bit like my dad. My dad was a very quietly spoken man. But what he said was good. And the problem is my intuition also doesn't repeat itself. So if you're not listening, it's gone. So, so it's, you know, in those moments and, and I've learned to appreciate the silence a lot more, you know, so whether it be, um, I still struggle with meditation. I think it's just a busy brain, but, you know, I go out for a walk or even the shower, you know, I need a whiteboard in the shower or something because, you know, so often that I, I get great ideas and, you know, I go out for a walk and suddenly it's, it's just like, it's all played back to me. You know, it makes so much sense. So yeah, achievement was far in the belly for me. I think it's probably top of my tree. Okay. So do you worry? Do I worry? Um, unfortunately, I probably do, yes. Um, I think a number of things. Is, it's down to just the logistics of, you know, we're in a very unusual time. Um, weirdly, I have a knowing, um, which has become stronger and stronger, which is actually sort of pushing the worry out. You know, people say, you know, what, where's fire in the belly going? It's like, I don't know, but I also know it's going to be phenomenal and I can't quite see it yet. And, and I can't quite, I just know it's going to be huge, you know, and I, like I say, I can't, I can't quite put my finger on it and say, yeah, it's going to be here. I mean, I do have big goals and certain people I want to interview and stuff like that. And, you know, what I can do and how I can help people. So thankfully the visions and the goals are actually out when, you know, the, the, you know, the sort of, I suppose the, the most common things are, you know, about worrying about my family, worrying about money. But, and, you know, I also have a lot of faith in terms of knowing that actually the right things are happening at the right time. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be at this time, you know, and that's, that's, that's only come about in the last couple of years. That hasn't been with me all the time. You know, in my 20s, I didn't worry. I just did it. I think, you know, when you're a young chap, you, you don't know, you know, I bought, about properties. I mean, one time I bought a property on two credit cards. 
solicitor thought it was nuts. Um, I think only for the fact that the <laughs> we were all in the the guy who was selling the property and myself was buying it. The fact that we we're all there to sign contracts and pay the money. I think if they knew that's what was going to happen, they would have cancelled the deal. <laughs> but I was like, well, I had it all signed up. I knew exactly what it was going to cost, and um, yeah. So yeah, two credit cards and all the rest. But in your twenties and thirties, you don't worry so much. I think when you get into your you know your thirties, you start wondering is like does the amount of effort justify the output? You know, and into your thirties, you're starting to worry about or think about, you know, mortgages, life, you know, how am I going to have a pension, all that's a worry, I think sneaks in in the thirties to forties. And then I think for me hitting 37 and a half, and like I say, just all those sort of different events colliding together and going, do you know, it doesn't, I don't really care what anyone else thinks anymore. Um, you know, I'm 37 and a half. If I keep on this track, I'm, you know, this is where pretty much where I'm going to end up. Um, you know, but I think the less I worry now, I'm just going, no, I just have faith, uh, lean in and do all that. So still a little bit of worry, but I think it's it's the more my vision is created, the more the opportunity is created, then actually the less worry that goes on. So, Brilliant, brilliant. Do you believe there's such thing as bad advice? And yes. without without giving us names or anything, what was the worst piece of advice you got? Um, there's there's a number of things, and I need to be very careful. Um, I think one one in particular was someone said to me, "You know, my goals are too big." Um, and I think they meant well. I think they meant well. Um, and that's the one thing where, you know, and, and like a conversation, nobody knows what's going on behind closed doors. Um, I've had the, you know, the great fortune to meet people and help them find their fire in the belly and the energy they've exuded, you know, beforehand you go, God, you're, you know, you'd be lucky to, to get out of your career or do anything else. But yet when they find their passion, this energy source is, is created. It's not created, it's just found, it's, it's focused and concentrated. So um, I think in terms of bad advice can unfortunately come from the, those around you that love you and unfortunately think they know you the best, know you the longest. Um, and unfortunately, they're also the ones that you got to step out. I know me going to Tony Robbins for the first time, I had a lot of almost negative chat, you know, and people and you, know, you want to come home and you want to high five them, you know, and they're like looking at you going, are you... <laughs> what's wrong with you, you know? But actually the second time I went to Tony Robbins in must have been 2018, I purposely brought uh, five people with me who are sort of strategically in my, you know, family and friends circumference to almost basically create a network of people that I could connect with no one haven't had the same experience. So I was almost creating my own network so that, you know, you can go and high five someone, they understand that it's not just total, you know, it's, it's not like a cult or something else, you know? So um, there's been loads of bad advice, I think, and, and stuff that's gone on. But nowadays I think, you know, I'm very much, listen, you know, just be happy in yourself, be happy with who you are. And um, cause ultimately, you know, you know, that's all that matters, you know, and, and two o'clock in the morning, you're the only one that's got to answer to you. And if you can if you can do that and you can say that you're living well and you're you're trying your hardest, then that's good enough for me. Okay. So do you seek approval? If so, from who and why? 
And if not, why not? Do I seek approval? Um, being brutally honest, yes, I probably still do. Um, it's a permission thing. It's something. It's a bit of a. I don't know. There's there's times when I have the opportunity to stretch my wings and I don't go fully at it. Why do I do it? Um, I don't know. It's it's almost not known my my potential yet. But I'm I'm like I say now I'm I'm um, you know of the belief that. I know this is capable and, and I know this is doing stuff. Um, it's just the not knowing. And I don't know whether just because, you know, both my parents are around and, you know, I, I go into mentorship situations and stuff like that because, you know, I'm looking for, um, you know, mentorship. I'm also looking for like-minded people, you know, because it's not, you know, I, I kind of do and don't have that in my, my surrounding environment. So I'm, I'm creating my environment so that that can, that can all come into play. Um, so yeah, it's why do I do it? You know, I think it's always helpful to have um, a little bit of you know feedback. But I think you know, it's again, it's something. It's all it's something I'm developing more and more, and giving myself permission to to get on with it. You know, so interesting. Yeah, good answer. What's your favorite waste of time? <laughs> What's my favorite waste of time? Um, Uh, there's loads of things. I actually, I love researching things. Um, and, and weirdly, I like, I like helping people. Um, it's, you know, now it's reading. It's very much, you know, I love, you see me, I've got the headphones on as much as I can. Um, you know, so reading or listening is, is now as probably one of my favorite waste of time, um, you know, and, and, and going through. So, yeah, that would probably be, probably be it. Now and again, I do, like any entrepreneur or anyone, you know, there's times where I just need to blow out and, you know, I have a slightly compulsive mind. So if we start watching something, you know, on, on Netflix, you know, we might watch the first episode or second episode because I, I don't watch TV at all or radio. Um, but Netflix, because it's kind of fine, you can dip in and there's no adverts. But we'll watch maybe the first two series and then, you know, my wife will go to bed. I'll then watch the, the entire series till three o'clock in the morning just because my compulsive brains is, no, I listen. It's like, oh, it's like, you know, so the next morning at breakfast, she's like, oh, we can watch the next two episodes last night or t tonight. You know, I was like, um, I might have watched them all. It's like, it's like, there was like eight series, you know, you've, you've been watching it for the last six or seven hours. Like, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. It's like, <laughs> Uh, so there's times there I do love to sort of just switch off a wee bit because um, I do find my brain needs that too. You know, mm. it's, you know, my, my process, I'm learning how to learn still, you know, and I think I'll probably be learning that for quite some time that, you know, that's been a, a real key thing for me is learn how you learn. You know, I learn by listening. I learn by interacting. Um, give me a book and it's going to take a long time to get read. Um, put me in a workshop and I'll be there. You know, so it's, it, and it's weird. They don't teach you that in school. They don't even teach that in business, you know. And um, I used to do workshops and, you know, it might be our, our one-hour meeting and it would take me three hours to write up the notes. They were great notes, you know, but they were, you know, they were perfect and I had to bloody do it, you know. And everyone was, especially, I mean, I did some pretty high-profile positions when I was working in London and, and uh, people go, God, it's fantastic with the price I was paying for that. I would have eaten into my own personal time. 
you know, to get the great meeting notes and stuff like that, you know, for one hour meeting taking, you know, it's three hours to type up and all that. So yeah, it's something now, you know, I'd, I'd learn that, you know, I'm, I sort of, I'm learning that, you know, perfectionism can be procrastination too. So it's something to watch out for. Absolutely. And you kind of touched earlier on your values. So what is your greatest value? But more importantly, what does it feel like if it's challenged? Um, my greatest value is probably integrity. It's probably integrity. And um, I think it would probably, it would probably actually be this, it would be challenged quite a few times because I don't think I'm always understood. Um, if that makes sense, you know, I, I almost like a, a Labrador or whatever, sometimes I'm a bit too keen, I give away too much. And ironically, you know, with integrity, people actually treat it as suspicion. You know, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm very keen to help people and I just see, you know, when someone's got a passion or, you know, something else, I mean, I'll... I'll send articles, I'll help, I'll do whatever I can, and I'll sacrifice my own time and, and, you know, all that to help them out. But then sometimes I can be misunderstood as going, why are you doing this or whatever. So the integrity is one that that's runs deep with me. Um, again, that's probably something that's come from my father too, you know, and it's, um, you know, ironically, he's we put on his headstone, it's, it was a saying that he loved was, you know, live life with no regrets. And it's very hard to do that. You know, and there is things I would do differently, sure, you know, but, um, you know, over the last three years, I sort of, I've worked through those and there's things I'm, you know, like I said, I wouldn't do it again, but at the same time, I'm, I'm you know, forgiving myself for it. And so integrity is something that gets stronger and stronger with me. And, uh, yeah, if someone sort of questions my integrity, that will sort of emotionally sort of, I find it very hard. Um, yeah, so that's probably my, my main one, I think. And what if you see it in other people then behaving without integrity? How does that make you feel? Not good. Not good. Um, there's two sides. I mean, I think, you know, I, I really try and sort of take it from the view that, listen, everyone else's journey is not my journey. Um, but at the time, when you see it in other people, and I still get it, you know, and, you know, and, and you know this, Pat, you know, there's times there where you're, you're, you're sort of your own ideas come back at you you know, they're, they're presented or promoted back to you and like going, oh, that looks very familiar. Um, and I, I'm, I'm getting that more and more, um, which at first is hard, you know, I must say, because you sort of go, well, that's, but I think it's more a reflection on me. It's up to me to, to actually put the, you know, things, the sort of uh, articles in place. But listen, I, I believe, I mean, it's, it's a bit like with a lot of what Bob Proctor talks about and all that, you know, is listen, the more you you know, the more you give, the more you have to, you know, and I think you're putting out more ideas and more energy and all that, and ultimately the right thing will happen. And, you know, I used to be sort of, I'll have a good idea and I'll tell nobody and it's like, oh, it's great. But it's, it's like, well, so bloody what? You know, it sits in the black book and someone's going to do it anyway at some point. But actually the more you give out, then actually then that can possibly blossom into something else. But I think with, with age and wisdom, you sort of, you learn to just be a little bit more careful the way you nurture ideas, the way you nurture people. And um, unfortunately, different people have different ideas and expectations, you know, and but vice versa, you got to let people fly too, you know, and you'll know from a mentoring point of view, there's times when you know, some people get up and fly and you're like going, Jesus, fair play to them, you know, and it's hard not to have a wee 
tinge of jealousy or ego and going, God, you know, wish I was doing as well as that or whatever, you know, but that's just the nature of the beast really, you know. Okay. So what is your superpower? You might be familiar with some of these questions, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they are. It's, um, it's amazing when the shoe's on the other foot. It can be <laughs> quite something. Um, my superpower now, I think, is my ability to connect and to question. Um, and ironically, and funny, just thinking about back about it now, it's actually it was a skill my dad used to have. You know, no matter what, we would have big family weddings, and they were always big. But my dad would always manage to have get into a really deep conversation with somebody in the corner. There'd be one or two people, you know, and it could be a three, four hundred person wedding, and yet my dad would have had like this quiet conversation. Um, and I'm the same. It's like I get lonely in a crowd, but I love an intimate conversation, a deep conversation, you know, and it's there. And um, so my superpower now, I think it's it's not only being able to ask the right question, but I think being intuitive enough to you know, read the signs, trust your energy, trust what's going on, their feedback and things like that. Um, you know, and <laughs> I kind of have an ability to make people cry, weirdly. <laughs> it's like, but that's, I think, when you, when you, when you ask the right questions and you, you tap in, you know, it's, I think if it's done positively and, you, you know, but you get to a very emotional point very quickly, but that way then you get a very, very strong connection with people. You know, and that's so. I think it's something I'm. I'm learning to how to put on the cape and how to how to be mighty. But you know, that's that's you know really where I'm I'm headed to. Okay, um, just a couple more questions, Pete, before we get ready to wrap up. But what does success mean to you, and why do you deserve it? Why do I deserve it? Success means living, living to your potential. Um, you know, and I, I think going back to, you know, you previously asking there, you know, it's like, do I like and love myself? Weirdly, and I was really surprised, um, the number of people that I spoke to that couldn't answer that question. And there's a lot of people can't. So I think success for me is, it's something whenever... You know, when someone finds their their passion, their fire in their belly, it's like, you know, it's success because they are absolutely thriving and driving in what they do, you know, and they will get rewarded in, you know, either energy, time, money, whatever it is, they will get rewarded. So I think success is, is finding your passion and, you know, pulling through and just pushing every day of the week to, to make that happen. Um, you know, and that's, that's the, the, the key thing to, uh, for me. The second part of the question, remind me, sorry. Why do you deserve it? Why do I deserve it? Um, I think we all deserve it. Um, and it's, it's, I think because, why do I deserve it? That's an interesting question. Um, I think we all do. I think, listen, there's enough, there's enough crap and there's enough stuff out there that actually, you know what we we all deserve to to do it now whether we accept it or not you know it's like anything you know it's it's up to us to you can have luck and you can have many things but you've got to turn up and play the game too you know i think we all deserve what we ask for you know so it's asking the right question or, or putting yourself in the right position or you know even with your jobs and as you were asking earlier about my jobs that 
I wasn't doing it for the money. I was doing it for either the opportunity or the position or whatever. Um, and that's what you know makes the difference. So I think we all deserve it. But whether we give ourselves the permission or the right to actually do it, then that's that's the other thing. You know, so it's up to us there to to take it if we wish. Okay, that was an interesting answer. So, just something that comes from that because you you told us that we all deserve it, right? But why do you deserve it? Why do I deserve it? Um, because I'm a really good human being, basically. Good. <laughs> Where is your favorite place in the world, and why? Um, West Cork. Years ago, we um, we've always had a, a holiday home down in West Cork, and uh, we had a, a house on on a, an island called Rock Island down in Crookhaven. If anyone might know it, so the most southwesterly tip of Ireland, basically, you're you're right down in the in the sticks there. Um, but on the island, anyway, there was a a pier. And as a young fella, I used to love sitting on the pier, and it was beautiful, uh, beautiful views out from the pier. And I used to do crab fishing. As a young fella, I would disappear for the day. I mean, I'd literally leave at breakfast time and come back at tea time. And it had, you know, nylon string, and you'd knock the barnacles off the rock, and you'd go down crab fishing, and you'd catch whatever. I mean, there were only tiny wee green and red crabs. There were nothing much, but I could have just sat my day out there perfectly. And... Uh, even now, just there's something about it. You go down there and you see nature and you see the tide coming in and out. And it's just a quiet place. Love it. You know, and if, uh, yeah, if everyone's having a bad day or whatever, you know, you just go down there and just love it. You know, and at the end of the day, you just tip all the crowds back in because you couldn't eat them. There's nothing you could do. But, um, yeah, it's just a, sort of a quiet place. But it's when you get the weather, <laughs> it's because it can be pretty hostile down there. When you get the weather, it's the most beautiful place in the world. That's a long walk for you. To West Cork, from where you're from? Yeah, well, the time, because a couple of years ago, we lived out and uh, lived up in Derry, London, Derry, and, and the time the roads were shocking, so it was a nine, 10 hour drive. Yeah. Um, even now, it's, you know, it's six, six on a, a non stop, you know, seven or eight with the kids, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, unfortunately, while well, Ryanair and all the rest have sort of meant it's easier to go somewhere where you're guaranteed sunshine, unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, that's just the nature of the beast. Okay. So if you were to write a book, what would it be about? Well, there's no if. It's happening. Um, a couple of books, actually. And I don't mind sharing, I suppose. Uh, one is the so the power of, you know, for me, 37 and a half. Um, you know, 37 and a half. And I do think it's the point in life. Call it midlife crisis. Call it whatever you want. And I think it's actually when people find their passion. So finding your, your fire in your belly, finding your passion, getting to a point in your life where you're going, I don't give a monkeys what anyone else thinks, you know, and actually uh, giving yourself permission, giving yourself authority um, and doing all that. So that's what I would like to do. So in terms of helping people to find their own, um, there's other book series and stuff I'd like to do. And, and uh, yeah, but that's probably the first one for me is probably called 37 and a half. And yeah, just, I think it's no coincidence that actually people hit that stage in their life and suddenly all bets are off. And it's like, yep, I'm just doing it. You know, you, you yeah, you, you get past what, what other opinions and people think, you know, you're, you're now on to just what you want to do in life. 
I think anyone that finds their passion or they they're not doing it because someone else wants them to do it. The egos come out of play, and um, yeah, it's it's just their most genuine thing, and that's when you know it's the most powerful energy and the most powerful decision you can make. So, yeah. Okay. Who were or are your greatest influencers right now, and why? Um, a number of things. I think probably. Top and center would be yourself, Pat. Actually, um, you know, it's uh, no. Just, I mean, <laughs> didn't expect that. Until, thank you. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's genuine. I think there's, um, I think you know, the, there's a lot of good traits in yourself. You know, I think it's integrity. It's, you know, I think you are the epitome of um, a mentor. You get coaches will sit beside you, and mentors will help you and push you up and pull you up. And I think that's something that's, you know, played a significant factor. Um, you know, and, and, you know, that's something I'm incredibly grateful for. Um, there's a number of things. I think my parents, you know, were, were great sort of people and influencers in my life. Um, do you know what? Every fire in the belly interview I do, I learn something. Um, you know, there's been some interviews, and especially when you get tired or whatever, you know, because it, it, it's very, it's heavy going. You know, and it's it's a lot, and you're you're going into people's history. But I always learn, and there's times there when I thought, "Oh God, you know, it's, you know, I think I know this person," and I've come away and gone, "Do you know what? Shame on me," because their story, what they've been through, what they're doing, their passion, their beliefs are just I'm blown away. You know, and and um, that's the one thing I sort of find. You know, I'm I'm influenced by everyone I meet, and and. Um, maybe it's just listening to the circles I'm in, but I'm I'm always taken away by how positive people are and how enthusiastic and and full of energy. Um, but it's down to down to everyone. But I'm actually influencing myself, you know. And I sort of brought on the 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 mighty brand, you know. And people say, oh "God, you call yourself Mighty Pete?" That's a bit forward. And it's like, well, I guarantee you don't know many Mighty Pete's, you know. And um, it's. it's I wouldn't say it's a little bit tongue in cheek, but it's, do you know what? It's like, you know, one, it is, it's great. Everything I see and everything I do, I, I know I am mighty and I'm becoming stronger every day. So I'm influencing myself too, you know, and, and it's, it's having that knowing within me. So, yeah. Brilliant. And last question I have for you is I want us to fast forward 70 years from now. And we're standing by your grave 70 plus years, maybe from now. Mm. And putting throwing a bit of dirt down on top of you. What do you want people to say about you? What do you want to be known for? And what do you want to be remembered for? Right now, I would be, I would be happy to be known for Fire in the Belly. You know, to be able to say, do you know what? You know, for Fire in the Belly to be a, you know, worldwide program, it is something there. It's it's almost, you know, it's a trademark saying. You know, it's there, it's going, I've got passion, I've got fire in the belly, and it's, you know, to see that. And it's like, because of this, all these things have happened. You know, people talk about a ripple in the pond. And, you know, to be the the instigator of the, the fire in the belly program and, and the, you know, everything that spawns off it, you know, I think that's that's something I would like to, to, to take with me. That'll be my legacy and everything else, which I, I consider myself so lucky, the fact that, one, I was quiet enough and, you know, silent enough to, to take on the idea and then to continue driving forward. And don't get me wrong, there's days where it's hard, but, you know, every interview, every contact, every 
connection, everything, it gets stronger and it's, it's just finding its feet. And I just know, I know it's going to be huge and, and I know it's the right thing. And, um, you know, I'm privileged to have it in my life. I really am. I'm very grateful. And we are very grateful that you chose to go down this route because let me say this to you, Pete, you are an inspiration. You are fire in the belly. And you are inspiring people to change and you are making a difference in this world. And for me, thank you so much for choosing me, I guess, to be the person to interview on, the, on your Fire in the Belly podcast because it has been an absolute honor. And you are, in my opinion, and, and I have met a lot of people, and you know that, um, the definition of a true gentleman, of somebody who's going to go out there and make a difference. And you are a success and you deserve the success of who you are and what you stand for. And you are Mighty Pete. And again, I'm extremely grateful for this opportunity. And it has been some wonderful, I guess, some insights here from doing it. It's unusual for me to be on the other side of the question. <laughs> but uh, it has been absolutely inspiring. And, and uh, thank you, Pete. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Pat. appreciate your time. And thank you for filling the hot seat on, hot seat on this. It's been... It's been something I've been wanting to do for a while. A lot of people have been asking for this, so uh, it's been a pleasure to have you doing it. So thank you. Thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guests taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon, and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.